For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in New York football podcast here. On the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals and the only place for every New York football team and their fans. Do you believe? I'm your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez, and welcome back to another episode of the New York Football Podcast. You can check us out on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the Believe website, bleav.com as always like download rate and subscribe leave a comment if you are feeling that type of way be sure to also follow us on twitter at nyfootballpod and at tino rodriguez training camp is here hard knocks is here and football is all the way back i feel like i've said this for weeks now pretty much every show i say sports are back but with training camp being here hard knocks being here Everything feels right in the world. Joining me today on today's show is my good friend Mage. He's here for, I think, almost the fifth time at this point. Uh, we're going to talk about everything Big Blue. Early impressions, expectations, thoughts on training camp, how the coaching staff looks. Daniel Jones gaining eight pounds. A lot to look forward to in that interview. But to begin, we're going to switch things up. And we're going to start ourselves off with college football, and specifically the Big Ten, in regards to Rutgers and if they're going to have a season. So with all the sports looking good and continuing in the midst of this pandemic, it appears college football is the one that is very wishy-washy on what the hell is actually going to happen. And the biggest thing that they couldn't decide on is there going to be a season at all? Is it going to be in the fall? Is it going to be in the spring? Are fans going to be there? What's going to go on? And so, as of right now, it seems that the fall season will be canceled for all Big Ten sports, as of a report on Tuesday afternoon. We're also getting reports that the Pac-12 will follow, and they'll also be canceling all fall sports. And as if that's not enough, the players and the coaches don't agree on it, and they will obviously be eyeing to play in the spring. And so... That's great, but there's always a cause for concern. Let's just talk about Rutgers here for a second. There was an SI article reported a week ago that nearly 28 kids tested positive and the entire team is in quarantine. And they're not alone because Michigan State also quarantined their entire team. And, and there was only one coach and player who had tested positive. Rutgers is messing with 28. And so the health and safety of kids, student athletes, is going to be the number one priority at all times for these programs. Obviously, it isn't, but it should be, and it has to be. You heard Scott Frost from Nebraska. He was out in the public saying that that needs to be the number one priority. And I think the smartest thing 
for the NCAA to do is just appease to really what the teams want to do. And if they actually want to play and they get a pulse that they can contain this thing and keep it in conference schedule. And so the best thing to happen would be to wait for the NFL season, see exactly how that goes down and try to replicate the system The better parts of it, at least, because I'm sure the NFL is going to have hiccups, too. But do it in the spring. Let the season happen. And try to make the most out of this all-over-the-place situation. Because a lot of this is adjusting on the fly. And I'm sure the biggest thing is making sure that the amateur status of these players, these next-generation talents, such as Justin Fields and a guy like Trevor Lawrence, all get displayed and exploited especially with players now trying to make names off their amateur status and their names before they even get in the league. They're their own brand, and there's no way that players are going to not want to take advantage of it, especially for a virus which, let's be real, doesn't affect really that age group or demographic. It's hard to convince a kid who is in the best shape of his life and competing at the highest level there is that because everything else is going on in the world, we're going to hold you back on what you've been trying to do and accomplish for your entire life. So, will Rutgers play? I'm not sure. But I do think the Big Ten will definitely be alive and well at some point within the next eight months. But now with that said, I'm going to get you guys ready here for my discussion with the Mage. The Mage now hosts a show with me. It is Murph and the Mage with Tino Rodriguez. Always gives out amazing advice, has good fantasy tips, We'll talk about that because we can't get through a discussion without talking about fantasy. But we'll also wrap our heads around all the hot topics out of training camp from the Giants front. So really good stuff. You guys are going to enjoy it. Here he is, the Mage. Mama raised me a hustler, turn people to customers. Ain't no love in these streets. Your best friend don't trust you. Keep your enemies close only when you're provoked. Clap back. All right, now I have the great pleasure of introducing a good friend of mine, The Mage. You can follow him at the Mage underscore NFL. And Mage, if you notice, I'm, I'm giving you a different approach than the last time. The last time I was very aggressive. I said things about you that you didn't like. It was too much, and I'm just going to come in soft. Yeah, I'm going to come in soft-spoken and just let you know I'm happy that you're here. We've come a long way. We've come a long way. Thank you. I, I really do appreciate that. Um, you did come in a little hot last time. Um, you know, really kind of made me feel um, a little unwanted. So <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the new approach. Thank you. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And in terms of our actual relationship and our just professional relationship, we've come a long way now. Since the last time you've been on, we have merged forces joined the uh the rings like that episode of spongebob i don't know if you do you watch spongebob Sponge, you might be a little too old for spongebob my, my kids do watch spongebob but like yeah. i made man and barnacle boy yep, that's it I was just gonna say <laughs> that. yeah so um, that's what we're doing there is murph though so he's that he doesn't fit in that scenario but the three of us have combined in the similar effect and yeah murph and the mage with tina rodriguez is a thing now yeah, well, uh, Murph could be, what, the dirty bubble, I suppose, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of the supervillains. Or uh, the one guy who has, like, the belt that tickles him or some shit. It, it, we're getting too far into Spongebob. Who is it, Rayman? Rayman. 
Rayman or something. Stingray. I forget what his name is, but yeah. You ever see the uh, part where he uh, asked Patrick for his wallet? And he's like, he's like, it's not my wallet. All right. So I'll say this real quick. <laughs> there is one part of SpongeBob that I'll never forget that I find absolutely hilarious, right? So it's when Plankton's trying to take over and he's befriending SpongeBob or whatever. And he's trying to teach SpongeBob how to be mean, right? Yep. So somebody sits on SpongeBob and he's like, you have to be more assertive. And he, SpongeBob takes his finger, sticks it in the guy's pocket and goes, boop, boop. He goes, <laughs> assertive, not insertive. <laughs> that same episode. I'm glad you mentioned it because it was real life. I saw it happen. You know, when the guy drops his ice cream and then he like takes SpongeBob's ice cream and he doesn't do anything about it. My brother okay. dropped his ice cream the same way the other day, or like it was it was something similar. It was someone else's fault. He dropped his ice cream and he didn't do anything about it. I was like, Mike, <laughs> what are you doing? Fucking tell that guy to buy you an ice cream cone. And I want to do it. Well, anyways, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that football is back. I talked about it earlier in the intro to this episode, but every week I've said it: football's back, sports are back. But I feel like it actually is now. Hard knocks is a thing. Training camp is here. It's just like we don't have preseason football, but this is what we're used to. It's August now, and this is prime time for professional football for the NFL. Well, we have the Big Ten and the Pac-12 that opted out of their seasons today. So, I mean, that's going to be really interesting to see. I just saw something come across the wire before, but the NFL is going to allow tryouts, I believe. Yeah, so, well, my take, and I said this, last episode last week about the XFL and I saw someone come out with a take on it already on Twitter and I'm not surprised that the XFL judging on how the NFL goes if the NCAA is still sluggish on the whole idea with COVID and like keeping kids safe and they don't know what to do basically about which direction to play this because there's some schools that are talented enough that they're willing to risk it and then other schools are like why does this even matter but anyways You watch that closely if you're the XFL, and then when there are kids that are teetering, whether they want to play in the spring or not, or actually make some real money, they might go over the XFL. If they have protocol set up and they have a limited number of people, if you're a junior or senior, why wouldn't you get a half season in with the XFL just cause and see see where you could match up early on against professional talent? Yeah, I saw somebody mention that early. And now with the uh, Rock purchasing the XFL, too, I mean, it's like that uh, HBO show Ball has come to life, you know. So he, he's actually going to have an opportunity here. And I'll tell you that that may open up a huge door uh, in terms of a prospect for the XFL going forward. I know that I failed the first time, but um, or actually the second time. Um, so, but it, this is certainly going to pave the way. And next year, too, when college football starts back up, we're going to be talking about paying college athletes again. Well, the thing is, though, I felt like the XFL didn't exactly fail this time around. They definitely had it a lot better and under control than the first go around. Uh, they had the gambling aspect down. I think the season of it makes a lot of sense. I think people are always going to want some football in between, you know, the professional season and the draft and whatnot. And really, if it wasn't for COVID, they were doing halfway decent. I think a lot of the ideas they had, too, were were interesting enough that people will, were willing to go to the games. and as a guy who went to a game, it was pretty entertaining. I didn't mind it. I thought the kickoff and the punt stuff was a change. And I think the fact that they go for it on fourth down, it reminded me of um, like a lower level college football game. 
that's what it reminded me of. I don't think it was professional football by any means to like the NFL stature, but it was definitely very good football. Well, that's the other thing is how do you come back from that? How do you compete with the NFL? And I'm not sure that you can, right? So much of the revenue that the NFL gets is from their TV contracts, but it's also, you know, the vendors, it's the stadium, it's the seats that they sell. I mean, it's really kind of hard to compete, especially when Vince McMahon put that much into it. And, you know, the revenue just isn't there for it. It's not driving force. So, it's going to be real interesting to see if they come back and how they come back. Yeah, and if it's going to be sooner rather than later with college football. Is college football going to come back this spring? Who knows? If this is a two-year thing, we have no idea what this shit's about to be like in a year. But let's move over to something that is going on and looks like it's going to actually happen, and that's Giants training camp and the New York Giants season in itself. All gears are in effect right now. We're rolling. The wheels are rolling, and we're getting ready for – an early September kickoff, which is less than a month away now, but it still seems like in training camps, there's not too much going on. Do you think the fact that this is like a different training camp, we're going to just see a completely different product on the field. Do you think there's going to be whether it's slower starts or just early injuries? Yeah. I mean, we're kind of seeing that with baseball now too. Right. Um, I think I heard something today that there's some 56 pitchers, uh, on the injury list, we can't call it the DL anymore, right? So it's the IL now. But um, yeah, man. I mean, I, you like to think that these guys are professional athletes; they're used to condition in their body. So, in terms of that, I think that they'll be okay. Um, but again, there's a huge difference between you know live practice, uh, preseason games, and then the regular season, and we also see it during the regular season of a normal season is even with the preseason, still the first couple weeks of the football product on the field isn't exactly great. You know, it's still a lot of sloppy um, play and stuff like that. It takes a few weeks to get these kinks worked out. So I do think that teams that kind of have established coaching staffs already where players are familiar with the playbook, the Giants are probably going to be at a bit of a disadvantage here. Uh, just because they have a whole new coaching staff. Everybody's brand new, except for pretty much the special teams. But, yeah, it's going to take some sort of transition and learning new playbooks, learning the coaches. It's going to be a tough transition for the New York Giants. So I, I heard the interviews that were happening today, and we had talked about it prior to getting on air, but Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Evan Ingram all said that if they had to describe their early stages in learning this offense, it's just that it's new. Like it's a new offense. It's a new system. Pretty much hinting at it in the most polite way, they're still trying to wrap their head around it. It's a, it's a lot to take in, especially when your guys that are younger, you just learned an NFL system, got good at it, and it's like, okay, well, you can do it all over again. So you kind of have, you know, you hit the reset button on a little bit. Uh, I also think that similar to the MLB, you're going to start seeing late people in the NFL. And I know there was a deadline to opt out of the season, but I don't think players are going to give a shit all that much about that opt out, to be honest. I think at a given time, if there's an outbreak or some sketchy shit that happens, they're going to pull the plug and you're going to start to see a lot of teams. If they're on the bubble or they're not so good, they're star players and we're fantasy guys. I just foresee that happening for sure. There's 
going to be A teams that are ready to compete. And there's going to be others that have, you know, a top heavy star. And I'm not saying he's going to do it. Like example, Lev Bell, he's a fantasy star in a sense, or can be on the jets, but the jets might not be very good this year. So if some shit happens on the jets, I can very much see a guy leaving like that. So Lev Bell pulls a Johannes Espedes. Exactly. I mean, I have PTSD from this Mets shit and Marcus Stroman, but it's not even that. It's So you got Clevenger and Plezak just going out to bang some chicks, and they come home late. And now they got a quarantine. That's what happened. They went out, and now they got a quarantine. But in an NFL season, you quarantine for a week. You miss the entire week. You're missing that week. You're, you can't start on Sunday if you don't practice that week. And there's no guarantee – that if you that's if you don't have it. If you do have it, then it's two weeks and pro- probably three weeks because you've been out of the playbook that long. So, especially if there's a season with no college football, the NFL has a huge opportunity here to play football games basically Thursday through Sunday. Thursday night football, Friday night football, Saturday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football, right? Yeah. I mean, it, there's a huge opportunity here for the NFL to make up revenue that they're going to miss by not having fans in the stands. Personally, man, I just don't see it. I mean, the NFL is a greedy fucking organization. They're going to do whatever they have to to play these games. Now, whether that comes down to keeping information hidden, um, you know, falsifying it, there's no way that you can put the NFL in a bubble. I mean, Murphy even says it, right? I mean, the bubble would have to be the size of the fucking entire East Coast. Like, that many players, that many teams, it's just impossible. So you have to try to isolate it as much as you can. Um, I read today, too, that um, I think some of the Dallas Cowboy players are kind of creating a little bubble of their own. Um but again, it, it, that's great it, for training camp. But what happens when you actually have to travel, right? And you have to go to some of these high-risk states like Florida, and you have to stay in a hotel there. And you know you're having the food catered by staff there. You know, is this staff being tested on a daily basis? You know, do they have any signs or symptoms? So I don't know, man. It, it's going to be really tough. But the one thing that I'm almost 100% certain on is the fact that the NFL will not cancel a season under, I think, almost any circumstances. We will have playoffs. We will have a Super Bowl. And look, man, money makes the world go round. The NFL is a greedy organization. I, I, I agree. I agree. I just think that for guys like us that more care about the players, whereas like even the Giants this year for us, Either way, this was going to be a wait and see because of the new coaching staff. So I'm not saying we're coming into this season with that crazy of expectations either. I just think those lower end teams, that category that we fall under, I don't think anyone on our team is going to do it. I just think don't be surprised if the bottom 16 teams just start saying, well, fuck this. What's the point? Because you're already seeing it in other sports too. I mean, the NBA, it's kind of happening, not so much, but again, if you're not in playoff contention and the season's going to be up in the air to begin with and all this shit's happening, why risk that injury? You see it already, guys like the Magic. The Magic were a, a 10 seed. They're not even going to make the playoffs. And a guy like Jonathan Isaac tears his ACL. You know, I guess it's, the, it's what you sign up for, 
but it's the reality of the situation too. Well, the other thing, which I think may or may not differ from baseball, I don't know what was collectively bargained with the MLBPA, but as far as I'm concerned with the NFLPA, they had until August 4th, or uh, I think it was August 4th or August 5th, something like that, to opt out of the season. Now, yeah, sure, they can come and say, hey, you know what, fuck you, I'm not playing, right? That's it, I'm done. But there are going to be consequences with that. So there will be consequences about whether or not a player has accrued enough time for free agency, right? How much of that salary do they get? Is it a violation of their current agreement or contract? Their contract's not going to toll. It doesn't get pushed forward. That's what the deadline was for. So the NFL, again, in a way, is crossing their I's and dotting, or dotting their I's and crossing their T's and making sure that everything's fun and making it very difficult for players to opt out later on if they so choose so. No, yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure they definitely cover their trail a little bit and make sure that all the back doors are covered because money does make the world go round. Let's talk more specifically about the Giants. And this is something we talked about earlier, but everything's new. New OC, new DC, new head coach. Patrick Graham, Joe Judge, Jason Garrett. Of those three, and obviously the offense is a new system for guys that have been there, so on and so forth. I already said it but you could say the same for defense. Which of those do you feel will have the biggest impact this season? Which of those new coaches do you think, I guess you could say, has the most importance this season to really put a good product on the field? Man, well, I'm most excited for Joe Judge. But I think at this point, Joe Judge is that CEO So I don't think really what he does is going to translate in terms of product on the field, right? You'll see it off the field. You'll see in terms of what Dave Gettleman has been preaching in terms of culture, right? The team will carry itself differently. You can be a absolute kind of model citizen, have great culture, but doesn't necessarily correlate to product on the field. So I was talking to our group earlier about this that we're part of. And I think that the giants are going to be a top 15 defense. My prediction for that is I think that what they're going to do, right. Is it's keep it simple, stupid, right. Cause like with James Betcher's complicated schemes, we heard last year that Baker just couldn't grasp it. And it was just so complicated for that defense to get, I think they'll keep it basic this year. I think they'll keep it to a lot of man coverage in the secondary. I think what they're going to do is they're going to try to get pressure up front with the front four. They'll keep it with man coverage. They'll throw in some blitz packages there, especially when you got guys like Jabril Preppers and Xavier McKinney. I think the linebackers are just basically going to be the cleanup crew here. So, you know, if Patrick Graham can get the most out of this defense, which I think has less talent than the offensive side of the ball, I'll say that I think Patrick Graham will be the most important piece to this defense this year. I love Jason Garrett. I love the Jason Garrett signing. I'm really excited, but Jason Garrett already kind of has, you know, that resume. So we know what he's capable of doing. I think he's going to get the most out of Saquon. I like uh, Evan Ingram. I think Daniel uh, Jones takes a step forward this year. 
So I'm really excited about the offense, but I think the most important piece is going to be this defense. Is keep it simple, stupid, and PEMDAS, like, do you get taught that at the same age? You know PEMDAS, right? The math thing? It's like, please. Yeah, parentheses. Well, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. That's that was that's what you say for it. That's how you remember it on a test. And that's how I remembered it. I PEMDAS is pretty easy to remember still. <laughs> I didn't need to remember all that other stuff by itself. It's like put him to my head, I guess, when I was a little kid. I it was a nice rhyme. It's a nice little like <laughs> I remember it, you know? So I still fuck that up all the time though. Like parentheses, like you look at a math equation, it's like, okay, wait, slow it down. Let's see. Because you never know if the parentheses is next to if you multiply automatically or if you add those. It's convincing. It's convincing either way. <laughs> Let's move past numbers. Let's move past numbers because neither of us are very good at math. And let's talk fantasy. We talked a little bit about the Giants, but let's talk more Giants fantasy. And you already mentioned it. Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, those are the two guys to really watch out for fantasy-wise. But now, and of course, Daniel Jones at the quarterback position. But Let's talk receiver because I see a lot of love for Sterling Shepard lately, and I'm curious to see your take on how you think he's going to stay afloat next to Golden Tate and Darius Slayton because I know me and you are both, you know, very high on Tate and Slayton, and we think Slayton could really take the next step, and Tate is that guy with pedigree, but Shep has been hurt the last couple of years, and we know what he can do. Where do you think he's going to match up with those two guys? When it comes to me in fantasy, so, for redraft purposes, I would categorize the Giants wide receivers as I'm taking Slayton first, I'm taking Tate second, and I'm taking Shep third. And I'm probably doing the same in Dynasty too, even though Shep is a little bit younger. But it, the most difficult part about this Giants offense is the fact that they got two slot wide receivers. So, who plays the slot position? I think Tate is probably better suited for the outside. Um, although his yards after catch might push him a little bit more into the slot position. So I think it really comes down to who plays that slot. I, I, if it was me, I would have Slayton and Tate play outside and I put Shep in the slot. And if that's the case, I'm probably fading Shepard this year. What about you? So I'm just looking at his statistics here. And at the end of last season, he was just eating targets and he was consistent. The The issue with me with Shep is the touchdowns. You just don't feel that it necessarily transitions over to touchdowns, which then matters what league you're in. I think that's why I tend to like Tate and Slayton more because I think Slayton will be the end zone guy with Ingram. And I think Tate is a yak machine, so he can probably do it himself. So Shep, to me, has his role solidified, like you said. I think he might be that slot guy for sure, but I still don't know if that's enough for him to get past that number three mark on this wide receiver team because I just don't see those touchdown numbers really reciprocating it. Yeah, and don't forget, Golden Tate missed four games last year. You know, And when you look at his statistics, I mean – if you just add those four games in over his per game averages, I mean, that's pretty nice. And Slayton came on kind of late also. So Giants guys aside now, we're going to move over to something I've asked you earlier this week, and we're just going to get it on the record here. So you could uh, persuade me one way or the other. I have the fourth pick 
in a draft on Saturday. Fourth overall, guys. You're going to put this podcast out before Friday so or Saturday. Do you want yeah. this information out there? I mean, they might know what you're doing Ooh. with the fourth pick. They can know. They can know. <laughs> Maybe I'll trade it before then. I don't know. Yeah. We'll think. Well, that's what I was going to get at. Four is an interesting spot because I don't really love it. It's not the... It's not top two, and then you're kind of in the middle there. It's a 10-man league. It's dynasty. So I tend to like the back pick so you can wrap a little bit more and you get those guys. But four is four, and so I'm kind of stuck in that pickle where, well, either Zeke or Camaro go three, and do I either take the ladder there, try to take a receiver, which we both know that'll never happen, or go crazy and take one of the hype Mahomes or Jackson guys. So with all that said, we're taking a running back there for sure, right, Mage? You are talking to the self-proclaimed running back whore. So I will hoard the shit out of running backs just to drive up the value on them. I mean, I love it. I love it when I see people talk about zero running back strategy because those are the guys that are coming to me with, you know, hand and fist with – excuse me sir can I please get a running back I'm like no (laughs) and you know when you can dominate one position with such scarcity I especially in dynasty leagues I don't think people realize what type of impact that really has on your team all right so if you were to go let's say zero wide receiver strategy which I tend to do most often my first four or five picks are usually running backs. I'll end up with guys like Slayton and Jamison Crowder as my starting wide receivers, right? Or and Michael Gallup or Emmanuel Sanders, which I'm okay with, right? But usually my running backs are really good. So let me ask you this then. If you don't end up with a top four, top three pick in the rookie drafts, what running backs are you getting that you can start right away? No, oh, yeah. I mean, you hit it on the head. And so that's why I don't go receiver in the first round. Definitely not. I tend to consider it in the second. And so usually in that pick in the mocks, I'm seeing D-Hop fall to me late second. The Julios of the world, the Chris Godwins. Those are guys I feel, you know, I don't go necessarily zero wide receiver, you know, zero running back. I like to always take best available. I always look at the board that way. So I really feel good about taking a running back there at one because if I don't, I really shortchange myself on the next two rounds where, yeah, you can get good guys, you can get young running backs, but you also don't know who's going to pick before and after you because the guys behind you are thinking the same way. You're going to see people reach in those picks. So you got to make those picks smart. So that's why four, it's not, it's not only that I don't like, you know, one of those two guys in Kamara Zeke more than the other. So I'm kind of torn with them. It's more that I feel like every pick matters because those rap picks are a lot harder to handle than kind of getting later or in the middle where you can go best available because people tend to drop to you a little bit more. So when I asked about the rookie picks as well, right? So if you don't have a top five pick, but you're loaded at running back, you're kind of okay, right? So if we look at where some guys went, this year in rookie uh, uh, drafts, you're looking at getting Judy, Sidney Lamb. And then even when you look at your second round picks, you're talking about picking up guys like Rager, Ayuk, right? Those are going to be starting wide receivers this year 
Yeah. I mean, Justin Rachel, Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is another one. You're talking about wide receiver ones. So that's why I always promote going running back heavy. However, you do have to take into account the settings and starting roster. So the question to you is, is this a super flex league? It's not a super flex league. And I also want to tell you this horror story I have of running backs in the first round, though. So my issue is, in one dynasty, I drafted Leonard Fournette, who had a great year. But that's a situation I had six. I remember I had six overall. And I actually took at the time Fournette over Kamara. This is years ago. And, uh, you know, sometimes taking the young, hot running back early in the first round does turn to bite you in the butt. And that's when you kind of have to finesse. That's when loading up on RB is good because you can trade your top heavy guy in someone like Fournette where you're like, he's great. People will still have value to him. He's not necessarily the most sexy running back to have on your team in terms of fantasy, but you can definitely get a lot for him. So I think having running back that also helps you because well, I did trade Fournette. Let me stop you though too, right? So the other, for the same reason that you're talking about Fournette, how do you think that guy feels that drafted Odell three years ago, possibly in the top five? I know someone who did that. I actually have Odell now from the guy who did that. So, right, but yet Odell's production over the last couple of years, granted he had the injury, but, you know, the year in uh, Cleveland didn't go so well either. Mm-hmm. He's now being drafted maybe the second and third rounds, um, even sometimes fourth in Dynasty. I've seen leagues. the fourth. I've seen the fourth. It's crazy to me that he's gone that far. So it really can go both ways. So in a single quarterback league, I am not taking a quarterback in the first round. If it was super flex, yes, I, I would consider Patrick Mahomes and even Lamar Jackson in the first round. If you're sitting at four and you're absolutely unsure who you want to take and you're just like, man, this doesn't feel good to me, I wouldn't be opposed to going Michael Thomas. Hmm. Michael Thomas would be the only guy in PPR leagues that I would consider taking in the first round at wide receiver. It's half point, so I'm still teetering on it. I, I still think that you'd need to drag me by my legs out of a room before I take a wide receiver at that spot, but I do appreciate <laughs> you telling me that Michael Thomas is a guy I should definitely consider. Yeah, I don't know, and I felt like you know I, I bought into the hype that I have to get Mahomes there because I had told you that I'm pretty sure in that league that Mahomes won't get to me in the second round. It's one of those leagues where the quarterbacks, despite the value not exactly being there for that round, which helps you later in the draft, you know, for more value. I'm just saying, you know, he's not going to be there. So it's worth a consideration if you want him for the years moving forward. So, you know, where would you take your first running back then in the second round? Yeah. And so if I did do that, 10 and I eyed it up and I had told you the best running backs available at that time really are the rookies. The rookie guys would probably make the most sense. You could really get either Edward Tillaire or Jonathan Taylor there just to play it safe and get a young guy. And then there's plenty of, you know, wily vets at running back. I'm sure, you know, you could take plenty of guys. So then what would you do in your third round? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a best player available type of thing. See, so my question is, if if let's say Zeke is sitting on the board at four and those wide receiver and those other rookie running backs fall to you in the second round, would you would you prefer to have Zeke, Jonathan Taylor, and let's say Danny Dimes? Yeah. Or would you prefer to have Pat Mahomes, Jonathan Taylor, and let's say a guy like maybe Chris Carson? Yeah. No. I so you're right on that point for sure. And I also think guys like Deshaun Watson who have a lot of fantasy value 
are going later in dynasty drafts, whereas Mahomes and Jackson are way too saturated at the top. And so, and I've told you about this before. So I'm also a believer that, you know, you find the next Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, not by drafting them in the first two rounds, you got to find them later. You know, I got Lamar as a rookie. I'm sure there's people out there who got Mahomes as a rookie when you just knew them as these athletic quarterback types. So if you're trying to get a Jordan Love now, you can probably get him in like the freaking 20th round in a startup dynasty league. And that's where you really get the payoff where you have a structured team around you. And now you could go let the athletic quarterback play. You don't waste the first two round pick on him. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. As a matter of fact, I shared a tweet with you yesterday from 2017 <laughs> in which uh, I, I told Twitter to go and pick up Aaron Jones and or Alvin Kamara if they were on the waiver wire. And I specifically said that they were going to be top 10 running backs from this point out. And, uh, you know, it certainly looks like I was ahead of the curve. So, What do you think of Aaron Jones this year? You think he's going to be all right? Especially Man, with A.J. You know Dillon? I tweeted out yesterday too. I mean, Aaron Jones is like, you know, he's kind of like my man crush. Like I, I just root for the guy at running back because I mean, I saw him coming out his rookie year and his running back vision, his speed, like he's just a total compliment at the running back position. Like he's what you look for. And like, it's been so mind boggling because they haven't given him opportunities they haven't provided him with the, with the carries. They haven't provided him with the opportunities. Aaron Rodgers has supported this guy. And then what did he do? Last year, they gave him the opportunity, right? And how, what was the result? He was the number two running back in fantasy. I mean, come on, man. Like, I, 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 when I saw Aaron Jones, you know, me and my uh, guys in the home league always joking around about the eye for talent. I say, ah, I got that eye for talent. They tell me they're going to poke me in it, but, um, <laughs> you know, but Aaron Jones was one of that guy, one of those guys that I saw. And I was like, this guy's going to be a stud. So a lot of people are on the AJ Dillon train because of the whole compliments with Derek Henry and uh, LaFleur. I think, I think that AJ Dillon replaces Jonathan Williams. Um, and if Aaron Jones does happen to get released or his contract's not picked up, I can certainly see him in a place like maybe Atlanta or, you know, even Tampa Bay next year. The guy's just way too talented to not have a, not have a job. No, you're right. I'm a big Aaron Jones guy. I had another question in regards to the Giants. It's not fantasy-wise. I just want to backtrack to it. One thing we haven't talked about on our show recently because we haven't done too much updated Giants stuff, but I've talked about it on this show. How hyped are you that Daniel Jones has uh, muscles on his thighs and gained eight pounds? I don't care. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, I think a lot of people make too much out of it than, um, than probably needed. I, I mean, we saw we saw this as Mets fans with Noah Syndergaard, right? And uh, Noah Syndergaard bulked up and went to get him uh, a, a lat injury. So, you know, and uh, Tom Brady is probably the most unathletic looking model there probably is, you know, but yet the guy's still 42 years old and he's still throwing a football. I think, I think it's more important to be limber, to have that de dexterity, kind of like what Tom Brady has been doing in terms of um, his training than it is to add muscle. I'm not sure by adding muscle, how much faster it's going to make Daniel Jones. I, I'm not sure it's going to make him hold the ball any better. 
I'm not sure it's going to make him stand upright any more than it than it is. I, it, to me, Daniel Jones adding weight doesn't really do anything. He did adjust his hand on the football, though. I did see those pictures, and, and that's actually how I was taught to throw football as well. I was surprised he had his hand so low, and it makes sense why he had fumbles. He's on the nose a little bit more now, up towards the top. Mm-hmm. One more question before I let you go. Let's talk cornerback real quick because a guy we talked about the very first time we were together, he was a rookie we were really hyped on, and now I feel like he's kind of fallen into shit with the whole situation with the Giants. He was working hard in the offseason with Jabril, Darnay Holmes. A lot of people are saying let's pump the brakes just because it pretty much is his position. Let's not just give it to him yet. He still has to work it up, work it up, and whatnot. Do you see this guy starting day one for us? I mean, not only do we not have any other options. I mean, I guess I'll phrase it like this. Do you see us going out to outsource and find a cornerback too, or do you think we're better off just staying with Darnay Holmes? Well, the Giants just recently signed Russ uh, Russ Cockrell. So he's probably going to start opposite James Bradbury. So, And I think that will also give Darnay Holmes time to develop as well, or he'll come in nickel packages. Uh, Nick Filato, who we had on Murphy and the Major Tino, um, also wrote an article for Sports Illustrated, and he really broke down Darnay Holmes' ability to play inside versus the slot as well. And a lot of people just look at him now like, ah, he's a slot corner, mainly because of his size. Darnay Holmes in college, I believe, played 549 snaps on the boundaries, and he moved from left to right. You know how many? Uh, do you know how many snaps he took in the slot? A handful. <laughs> 16 snaps. 16 snaps in the slot, 549 outside. I, I mean, and people are worried about his size. Um, I wish I could give them credit. I don't remember right now, but somebody else had pointed out that he's the same size as Janoris Jenkins. Darnay Holmes is actually heavier than Janoris Jenkins. Why is it that we don't consider Janoris Jenkins a slot cornerback? I mean, it, I I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. But right now, I would say that's probably going to be ba- uh, Bradbury and Cockrell outside, though. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I completely forgot about that signing. But at the same time, with the way this thing is going, with the way the NFL is going, and even the scheme that Patrick Graham is uh, drawing up over there, who knows, man? I mean, they probably have guys going inside, outside, Blitzing off the edge, I really would not be surprised to see Darnay Holmes used more in this defense than not with the opportunities that he's now going to have with the shortened up uh, cornerback room. Yeah, and you got Julian Love, you got Corey Ballantyne, you, you got depth at the defense. They recently signed Montre Hardage, who we also interviewed, who gave us some insight into Patrick Graham's defense. They got um Drew Askew from the XFL as well, so they got some depth there at the cornerback position, and. Another thing, which I'll give uh, credit to Mr. Chris172 on Twitter, uh, my boy Chris, but, you know, he talked about Colombo and he talked about the familiarity in working with Jason Garrett. So, you know, on that offense, even though Colombo will know what Jason Garrett wants to do and Jason Garrett will know, you know, Colombo's blocking schemes, that's going to really help develop continuity on that offense. Let's not forget, on the defensive side of the ball, Bradbury and Cockrell played opposite each other last year for Carolina as well. 
So that's also going to bring some continuity and communication that they already have previously. So I, I think I think that's also underrated as well, especially in a shortened COVID season, to have that type of continuity and communication. A thousand percent. I think you hit it on the head with that. And, you know, having guys that have communicated with each other before, granted they're on the opposite side, but having a defense that's on the same page, that's why buying a defense doesn't just work that way. That's why the best way to turn the page on getting your defense better isn't exactly outsourcing. It's because you need 11 guys that are on the same page. And even if it's wrong, at least you're all on the same page and you're doing the same thing together. So this way, you know, you can cover for each other and figure certain things out. So that's an interesting take on it. So I'm excited to see what Cockrell can do alongside Bradbury. I know they were very successful in Carolina. I now remember seeing some of those statistics, but we will see with the Giants. It's been a while since I've seen some cornerbacks actually stop anybody. So love <laughs> to see it this season. Would love it. Yeah, and don't forget, I mean, some of these players on this defense also have a familiarity with Patrick Graham as well. Mm-hmm. So they've, they've also played under him. So familiarity will go a long way with this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Martinez, Fackrell, I think those guys up front too. I, I, I don't think they signed Fackrell unless they have Graham. I just, that's reality of that situation. So I'm really looking forward to him too. If they can get half of what they got out of him while he was in Green Bay two years ago, I think they found a little diamond, the rough guy, especially with Golden still coming back. So that'll be exciting stuff. Mage, thank you so much, man. This was awesome as always. You can catch us. We drop episodes Monday. We drop episodes Friday, sometimes only Monday. Sometimes it's just us. Sometimes we have guests. Murph will be there. It's not just us two. But, Mage, let the people know any other information about you you want to promote. Yeah, well, they have to be able to subscribe just to make sure that they hit that notification so that they know when the uh, episodes actually drop. So we've been putting out episodes every Monday. And now with the dog days of summer, we're trying to catch up. So we've been putting out episodes Wednesdays and Fridays as well. But uh, during the season, it'll probably mostly be Mondays and Wednesdays. Make sure that you check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Murph and the Mage, um, or Google us with uh, Murph and the Mage with Tino Rodriguez, and also find us on iTunes and everywhere else, man. We're looking forward to you guys expanding your horizons, listening to us over there, listening to us here. If you don't listen to us over there, we're just going to have the information over here, so this way we kind of <laughs> corner you with it. You guys don't realize it yet. But, Mage, thanks again, man. This is awesome as always. Yeah, I appreciate um, it, Tino. Talk to you tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Have a good one. That interview with the mage was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? All right, guys, that's our show. As always, thank you to the mage for stopping by. Awesome discussion. I hope you guys took a lot of information from that for both the Giants and Fantasy. Same time as always, guys. Every Wednesday, we're going to drop an episode. Thank you guys for tuning in again. Please download, rate, and subscribe on all podcast platforms. You can also follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod, as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. Be safe. I'll talk to you guys next week.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.